always say that life only has two characters in its narratives. That's struggle and progress. Struggle and progress. And on today's episode, we're talking with David Hogan about how to turn crisis into opportunity. Let's bring the show in. Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code. Success Code. Success Code. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, internationally recognized speaker, and your host of this show, The Success Code, where we have positive conversations about how you can use strategies, tactics. And we also tell stories that help you crack your success code. Today, I'm super excited. We have David Hogan on the show, who's going to teach us how to turn crisis into opportunity. Because um, like I said at the beginning of the show, struggle and progress, I believe, is all that there really is. And if we can learn how to deal with struggle, deal with crisis, deal with those things that we think are really just going to tear us down, we can actually break through plateaus and take our performance, our success, our income, impact, and lifestyle to another level. David, how are you, man? Hi. Hi, Roy. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. I was looking at your book earlier. And um, just real quick, kind of tell the people who you are or what you do. Okay, well, I'm the author of Reboundability, Turning a Crisis into an Opportunity. And I wrote that book to document a period in my life over the last 15 years as a entrepreneur, which I went on a journey that many people will go on where not necessarily everything will work out as you had planned as you start out. And in my case, I hit a crisis. I had to deal with that. I had to accept that. And then, thankfully, there was a good story coming out of that to where I am today. Uh Um, So not to put excitement on your crisis, but I'm excited to hear your story and excited to hear the crisis and your strategies to get through that because those are the things that, you know, we can really draw inspiration on and help us push through um, those hard times that, we have. Um, so I, your crisis inspired you to write this book. Did anything else inspire you to write this book? And um, uh, tell us a little more about the book and how it can help us um, break through uh, our struggles and turn our crisis into opportunity. Sure. Well, two reasons to write the book. One was, as you probably know yourself, given that you've written some best-selling books, uh-huh. like it's, it's, a, it's a cathartic process where you get down on paper the things that happened to you and why they happened. And that was one of the reasons I wrote the book. But the second reason that I wrote the book, and I think this is much more important, is that just like right now, if you're in business, you will go through different cycles. And there's always a challenge coming in business and in life. And I I wanted to write the book to reassure people that no matter what happens in your life, business or otherwise, that there is a way out of it. And my story explains that. So I can go into that in more detail, Roy, if you want. Uh, Yeah. Um, Before we get tactical, kind of tell your story, Um, you know, the, the crisis that you were able to make it through, 
you know, I tell my story about how I was pushing my 1987 Honda Civic on the 10 freeway by myself. And sometime in pushing that uh, car, I told myself I was going to take complete responsibility for my life. And so that was the idea that I came from uh, one of my crises in my life. What was your story of struggle? And, um, and then we'll get into how you're able to break through it. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge that I listened to your episode where you spoke about that. Uh-huh. And I, I had a wry smile on my face thinking about it because I could relate to it so much. It didn't matter whether it was pushing the car two miles on the highway or overcoming a huge business obstacle. I can relate to it, Roy. And I'm sure many people can. But just very quickly to explain what happened to me, like many people, I was an employee originally and I was in the financial services sector and I just had this itch and desire to become an entrepreneur, be self-employed, run my own business and be in charge of my own destiny. And I finally took that plunge after 15 years in the corporate world in 2002 and I went into the real estate business as a real estate salesperson. And that went okay for a while. I I had a couple of okay years in business as you do at the start, you're just building a business. Mm -hmm. Then I had one or two break even years. And then finally I had one good year just before the crash of 2007, which Mm -hmm. affected everybody all over the world. Yes. So at that point, Roy, my business was already in trouble and it was like watching the air go out of the balloon over the next couple of years, that business, failed gradually and I had to come to a realization in 2010 that the business that I'd set up with my wife for to support them and my family was was failing and I had to take responsibility for that that was the first thing yes and so along with that business failure I was I got involved in some business deals where I was on the hook for the loans associated with them okay That was quite a big mistake. So it actually led me to have to go bankrupt in 2013 Mm -hmm. with very large personal debts that I was unable to avoid, uh, unable to resolve. So unavoidably, I had to declare bankruptcy. And that was one of the pivotal moments in my life because up until the point that I actually accepted where I was, I was fooling myself that, look, I'll get out of this in some way. And really, that was never going to happen because I was in over my head. So first lesson was acknowledge where you are, accept responsibility for your role in it. And then that is the first step on the road to recovery. Yeah, because you got to take responsibility because you can't do anything unless you take that extreme ownership of the situation. Then once you took responsibility, then what did you do to move on from there? Yeah, and just to to reiterate that point, I think as a person, if you're not willing to take responsibility, it's like being, you know, a pumpkin growing in a jar. Yeah, it'll only grow as as far as the jar will let it, and after that, it's it's inhibited. So it's like you you need to break out of that glass jar by accepting responsibility, and then the sky's the limit to what you can achieve thereafter. So in my case. Thankfully, that's what worked out. So first thing was accept where I was. Next thing was develop a new plan to go again, to to build a new business and be open 
to the possibilities of fortune favoring you and providence helping you on that journey. And that, again, is exactly what worked out for me. Yeah, yeah. Real quick before you move in, being open to favor helping you. What what do you mean by that? Because I, I know what you mean, but I put I want the audience to really get that because I struggle with that even after um, yeah uh, getting through everything, allowing people to help me, allowing myself to have an abundant mindset. So, what do you mean by opening up your mind and opening up your being so things can be attracted to you? And yeah, how did you do that? I. It's a really important point, Roy, for the listeners, because just because a person makes a mistake doesn't mean that they are a mistake. And I think one of the tragedies of, we'll say, business failure or failure in life is a person associating themselves in their entirety with that failure. Yeah. And you, you need to allow for good fortune to come your way by separating the event or the business project or even if it was on the personal side of it, like a relationship, yeah. you need to separate out the failure in relation to that, to your integrity and your self-esteem as an individual. And for me, I once I realized that I was still the same person, that I was still David Hogan, father, husband, friend, with all the same talents and abilities that I had before, that I, that I could move on. And I think that's so important. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And then let's get a little tactical. So you're going through it, going through the bankruptcy. And a lot of times it's, for lack of better terms, it's, it's easy to go through the struggle when you're by yourself, but you had a family to take care of. You had other people that you had to make sure uh, could eat and could be comfortable. And a lot of the times they didn't always sign up for what we're getting into because we just have these dreams and this faith. Um, how were you able to keep composure knowing that you had other people to take care of as well? And um, how did they take it? Great question, Roy. And thankfully, I'm grateful to say my wife is still with me after all of this. Yeah. But, and I, I think she has been really good because first of all, Day one, when I decided that I wanted to give up my safe, permanent, pensionable job yeah. and start a business, I needed her blessing and support, and she gave me that. Then we started a family, and luckily, during the really worst period of that time for me, my kids were small. They, you know, they were young. They were seven or eight, yeah. and they were too too young to notice the difficulties that I was going through. So they were shielded purely by age. But for my wife. I think it was very hard for her and it motivated me to make something of myself again because I feel I owed it to her, you know, for having put her through all of that. So I turned that, we'll say, pressure into a motivating factor to find a way out and find new opportunities, which very thankfully came my way. Okay. That's amazing, man. Uh, my, uh, one of my first mentors, Brendan Bouchard, um, I remember it was about a decade ago, maybe when I first heard his story and he had a part, a moment where he saw his lady sleeping under the weight of his bills. Literally, she was under the covers and he had, he was using the, the bed as a table and his bills were on top of her. And he literally saw her sleeping under the weight of his bills. And it just was that moment 
of him saying, you know, I got to figure this out. Um, I got to yeah. figure it out. Um, I can relate to that because Brendan is a big mentor of mine as well. And Roy, to come back to a, a question that you asked me about, you know, was there a moment on that road to recovery about allowing that good fortune to come my way? Mm-hmm. And I deal with this in the book and it, it, I, I refer to it as the millionaire handshake. But that the concept of the millionaire handshake doesn't just relate to uh, materialistic money or wealth, it relates to your self-esteem. And to explain it, after I'd gone through the bankruptcy and I was starting again, I, I needed to be open to a success and good fortune. Mm-hmm. And that started with how I thought of myself on the inside. And yeah. I refer to it as the millionaire handshake because there was a pivotal moment during my recovery and for to explain and we'll say that generated the success that I have now. And what it was, was one of my previous clients before I went bankrupt, uh, he was starting out again as well, because many of my colleagues and my business circle were all affected by this crisis. Yeah. So he was starting out again and he was looking for somebody to work with him. And so he approached me and he said, look, David, we've, we know each other. You've worked for me before. I'd like you to work for me again. Mm-hmm. And I said, thanks, but unless you're willing to work with me as your equal partner, I'm not interested because I felt that if I was ever going to get ahead and you know recover and pay back for what has happened, mm-hmm. I needed to be in business for myself. So at that moment, Roy, I had to have the self-esteem and the self-belief to believe I was worthy of being considered as an equal partner, even though I had no resources at that time. I had no materialistic resources. I had no money. I was starting from scratch. I had no assets. I literally only had the hand that I was extending out to him to say, this is the terms that I will go forward with you. And he thankfully took a chance on me and accepted that. And that particular moment turned everything around for me. The millionaire handshake. Uh, one real quick, David. Thank you, everyone who is on the chat. A bunch of people just jumped into the chat room. If you are joining us, I am talking with David Hogan about how to turn your crisis into opportunity. Uh, please jump in on the right side and ask David questions or comments. If you're on YouTube, if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook, that's below uh periscope or those other apps we don't even know where you're at but we thank you for being on here um so please uh post a comment so david you talked about that confidence and having that congruency to be able to give your terms even though um you you needed money you needed resources you needed help but you still kept congruency kept your character and said, these are my terms. And that existential moment of confidence, what can you tell someone who maybe struggle to do that, how to do that, that, that moment, like how did you do that? Was it just uh, existential action, action or did you have a certain mind frame? How can someone else have the courage to do that as well? A great question, Roy. And how I'd answer it is that at that same time for me, there was other people, there were other people with equally similar circumstances to me and with equally similar abilities mm-hmm. who didn't 
think of themselves that way and 10 years later are still struggling to overcome and resolve these problems. Mm. But what I would say to anybody, any of your listeners, if you're going through a crisis, be it in your business life, your health life, or your personal life, Mm -hmm. just remember where you came from. Just what happened to you happened to you and bad things will happen to most people at some stage during the life to some degree or other. But you need to remember that you are a good person. You've got talents. You've got ability. And the the one thing that most people have to recover from a crisis and they don't realize it is that they have time. And time resolves most crises for people if they're patient and believe in themselves. So true. So true. Um, Someone, because I'm also going live on the Instagram, someone said... um, are you a real estate agent? Okay, so I see. In in America, we call what you do a real estate agent. Um, he said, "Do you think the market's gonna crash again like it did in two thousand eight? And uh, if you do think it is, when do you think it'll happen?" So that's a little bit off topic, but if you don't mind, yeah. Uh, firstly, I don't mind asking that question because I, my background is in real estate, but I have moved into uh, entrepreneurship and now into business coaching to teach the lessons that I've learned. But mm-hmm. to answer the question for your listener, a great phrase I remember about property, and it applies no matter what market, no matter what sector, uh, area of the world, is yeah. you don't wait to buy property. You buy property and wait because... Property is a long-term investment, and it's an illiquid investment. So other than your family home, if you're dabbling in real estate as an investment vehicle, you've got to remember that it's not the most fluent and flexible and liquid asset. So buy in and stay in, and property always recovers from cyclical downturns. Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, let's get into some business thinking. Um, let's say I'm a new entrepreneur. I'm starting out. What should I focus on to really start to build my business? We teach here that you want to bring in leads, convert leads, and then follow up with those leads. What do you think is the first thing as a new entrepreneur, someone should focus on to build their business and start making money right away, but then also set themselves up for future success. Okay. I think the most important thing to start with is, is a psychological thing, which is why are you doing what you're doing? Mindset. And I think that uh, the reason for most failure in business is incorrect assumptions. And a lot of startup businesses incorrectly assume that it's going to be easier than where they've come from. Yeah. They incorrectly assume that they're going to be more better off financially quite quickly. And they incorrectly assume that in five years time, they'll feel less stressed and happier. And that may happen. But if you don't start off by answering the question why, you're you're going to set yourself up for struggle. And I think a lot of people need to be really sure, why am I doing this? And if if you're able to answer that 
very strongly in that I'm going into an area that I love. I don't feel like this is work and I believe in myself, then that's a good start. But I think some people don't ask that question carefully enough at the start. So get that right. That's number one. Mm -hmm. So number two, and again, I think this is so important and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Roy, is the importance of planning your business at the very start. In other words, the importance of a comprehensive, well-thought-out and well-structured business plan. Yeah. And the reason I believe in that, Roy, is when I started my first business, which was real estate sales, I didn't really have a proper plan. And again, I document this in my book where I just got a business premises, put a sign outside the door and said, hey, I'm a real estate sales guy. And that's because I was in a rush to get out of where I was. And if I was back again, I would have thought it through more carefully. I would have put more thought into how long I would have needed to have funding to support myself while I waited for the sales pipeline to come through. I would have put more thought into which markets I was going into and why I would be able to offer a unique selling proposition in that market versus the people that were already operating in it. So the business plan, if you do it right, forces you to think about those questions carefully and will help you maybe make a better decision to go to go a different way with your business from the very start rather than have to figure that out at a cost as you go along. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you explained that very well and succinct. Thank you for that. Um, David, I want to go into the red zone. And that's what we do in the in the show is the red zone. We go into and ask you five quick hotshot questions that get you thinking. They're kind of, you know, they're tough questions. But um, I want to let you know, are you ready to hop into the red zone? Well, what's the worst that can happen, Roy? I'll give it a go. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right, David, let's start off. What's your favorite book and why? Okay, I read spirituality and I read on business. My favorite spiritual book is uh, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson because it's the book that I have highlighted the most in all the books I've read. So anybody who loves spirituality, read that book. I love it. And on the business side of it, Uh This is a book I've read. It's actually a trilogy of books. I'm sure you know the guy, Russell Brunson, the co-founder of ClickFunnels. Uh I've read recently Dotcom Secrets, Expert Secrets, and Traffic Secrets. Fantastic playbook for anybody who wants to know how to create funnels, bring in leads, and work on your conversions. I actually love that he did those books because those secrets have been behind closed doors since 2005, 2006. And uh, he brought them out and uh, actually gave them to the world where people can actually actually use them. Um, cool. So based on your answer, I probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to still ask it. What would you rather be, loved or respected and why? Definitely, I would prefer to be loved because at the end of your life, Roy, it's not how much you have in the bank account is do you have loved ones around you? Did you, like Brendan Bouchard, did I love, did I matter? So definitely I would prefer to be loved. All right, question number three, what's your favorite quote and why? Ooh, uh, you don't have to to be great to start, 
but you do have to start to be great. And that is by Les Brown, I think. Les. I love Les. And why do I like it? Because I'm guilty of it myself, trying to get everything right, trying to have it so that less likelihood of failure, whereas you've got to realize that done is better than perfect. So get started mm-hmm. and get going. I agree. I agree. You know, um, just to touch real quick, um, I love Les Brown, but, you know, perfectionism kind of sometimes puts us in paralysis and we don't take action. So I agree with you 100%. If you could spend one day with any person ever in history, spend 24 hours with them, pick their brain, be with them, who would it be and why? Ooh, um, I'm a huge admirer of people that can influence the masses without having to resort to tricks or aggression or manipulation in any way. And the name that springs to mind is Gandhi, Mm -hmm. who brought a million people together for, for a peaceful protest and through patience and perseverance achieved his goal without unnecessary violence or death. So what a person to be around and to learn from. Amazing, amazing. And one thing I thought was really cool uh, that a lot of people don't know is Gandhi had a life coach. So getting a coach is awesome. Getting a coach is awesome. Okay, what is success to you, David? What does that mean to you and what does that look like and why? When I started out in business first, and when I started out in my professional life, the the narrative was just do your best, be the best you can be. And that narrative is still there today. But with maturity and having gone through what I've gone through and learning my lessons, mm-hmm. to me, it's not about being the best you can be. It's striving to be all you can be. Yeah. And all you can be covers everything about your personality, not just your success with money or with business. It's how good are you with your relationships? Have you looked after yourself? Have you contributed to your community, to your country? You know, have you looked after your fellow man and woman? And so to me, success would me feeling at the end of my life that I have been all I can be. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I always say that in life, we're just in the regret minimalization business. And that is what you're doing is being all you can be is just making sure that when you're in your end days, you go, you know what? I really gave it my all and I did most of all of what I wanted to do. Uh, David, we have a question here. Uh, someone said, if you lost it all tomorrow, what are the first three steps you would do to get it back? Well, firstly, I have lost it all because I had to start. I had to start again at age forty-five, and you know when most people would feel that they were making progress on their dreams, I was starting again. That's only seven years ago, so I have done it. And I suppose the first thing I would do is that I would. The book Reboundability. There's an acronym that I use for rebound. So if you'll allow me, answer the question this way. Yeah. The R stands for reflect. So reflect on what's happened and accept your part in it. Mm -hmm. 
the E stands for empathize. And when I say empathy, show empathy for yourself first, forgive yourself. And if somebody else had a hand in what happened to you, forgive them as well. The B stands for begin. So begin again. The O, the O stands for being open. And I discussed this already with you, Roy, where you need to be open to new opportunities. The U stands for undertake. And the definition of an entrepreneur is to undertake to do things. So take massive action towards your goals from that point. The N in rebound stands for network. And you cannot achieve whatever you want to achieve without help and support of those around you. So look for that support actively. And then finally, the D in rebound stands for decide. Decide, make a decision to learn the lessons from what happened and to never to repeat those mistakes again. Well, that's awesome. You really covered everything in your book. Um, Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for uh, coming on the show as we end here. Um, Is there anything that I should have asked you that maybe those who's watching uh, need to know? Sure. Well, Roy, firstly, it has been my honor to be on your show and I admire what you're doing. I think I aspire to do similar work myself in podcasting in the future. So I really admire what you're doing. What I would like to point out to your listeners is that if anybody's interested in learning more or working with me, I have my website, Mm david-hogan.com, and I will be launching some courses and a membership uh, opportunity for people who want to work to move on from whatever situation they're in right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, let them know where they could find your book. Uh, uh, You told them to go to your website. Let them know where else they could find you if they want to. Oh. Yeah, it's also available on Amazon as either a paperback or on Kindle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who hopped on the live. Um, make sure you share the live. Make sure you like it. And thank you for uh, coming on the show again, David. We are also going to post everything on Apple, Spotify, iTunes. So share those as well. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, always remember to be yourself. Peace. Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code. Success Code.